11 o'clock second service, and uh, so I wanted to make sure you know about that. We are in a series called All on the Altar, and on this Christmas Sunday, we are headed to the book of Judges. I know, I know, Christmas stories in Luke 2, and we're going to get there as well, but the altar we're going to see today is in Judges chapter 6. Yeah, so if you'd go that direction, Judges 6, the notes are in your bulletin this morning. If you'd like to follow along with us, and we'll head there. Uh, many of you knew Brother Gary Carpenter, who attended Centennial years ago and helped with some of our building projects. And uh, Gary passed away recently, and his funeral service uh, is tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Alsip's in Nampa, if you'd like to attend and support the family. Judges chapter 6, and we're going to see a special altar this morning. Uh, this altar was built by a man named Gideon, and it was built about 1,250 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, the name of the altar is Jehovah Shalom, because Gideon built an altar to the God of peace. And uh, this altar still points to the peace that we celebrate on Christmas. So Judges chapter 6 and verse number 19. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, a goat, and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out under him, unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abbey as rites. <clears throat> you know, in many ways, Gideon is a type of Jesus Christ. Things that happened in Gideon's life that correspond to things that would happen in the life of Jesus. Uh, for instance, right before Gideon came on the scene in Judges 6-8, a prophet showed up. Uh, calling the nation to repentance. Just as John the Baptist uh, would preach and be the forerunner and usher in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see throughout the message today some instances in Gideon's life where we glimpse the Messiah uh, as we go along. And so I want to start with the personal and national unrest. The personal and national unrest. Israel had been in bondage to Midian for seven years, and they wondered if God remembered them. There was national despair. Uh, the Israelites were actually living in caves and mountains. They were hiding all the time. When they planted their crops down in the valleys, uh, their enemies would show up and destroy the fields. And they didn't just dis uh, steal the harvest, they burned it. They were ruthless in their treatment of the Jews. And, and now the nation was facing such a severe famine, and things were so bad 
that Gideon was hiding so that he could thresh enough wheat for his family to survive for a few more weeks. Israel had strayed from God, and God's message was clear. I'm the God who has delivered you time and again, but you haven't lived gratefully. You haven't followed my truth. And the scene in the village where Gideon lived is similar to the scene in the village of Bethlehem many, many years later. In Bethlehem, people had no hope. They had just accepted that they were in bondage to Rome. God wasn't going to help them. There hadn't been a prophet for 400 years. Most of them had long since given up on even attempting to keep God's laws. But I want you to see what happens in Gideon's case, Judges 6 at verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which is in Ophrah, that pertained to Joash the Abiezrai, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And, and so an angel shows up and sits down under the big oak tree, close to where Gideon's family lived. This is the place where Gideon is hiding out by the wine press to thresh his wheat. And, and Gideon's working away, and suddenly there's a guy standing next to him. And, and the guy says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And I want you to look at Gideon's initial response in verse number 13. Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And so Gideon says, God's with us? Yeah, right. Where are his miracles? He's forsaken us. He's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And Gideon was down in the dumps. He was overwhelmed by the negative circumstances around him. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there. And maybe you're questioning whether or not God's with you or God's for you. And that's where Gideon was. And then right at that moment came the promise of peace. The promise of peace. At the most surprising time, God chose to work through the most unsuspecting person to bring victory to the land. I want you to see as the story continues in verse number 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You know, Gideon was so overwhelmed by the suggestion that God was going to deliver Israel through him that he asked the angel, which he didn't yet know was an angel, to show him a sign that he was even talking to him. This is kind of rare. If you look at verse 17, he said, if I found grace in your sight, show me a sign that you're talking with me. Right? It's kind of weird. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Uh, this quite often happens to my wife. 
Okay, and she says, uh, I remember somebody saying something, uh, but I'm not sure if it happened in a dream or if it happened in real life. And uh, one morning I got up and shaved and showered. I was getting dressed. And she kind of scowled at me like maybe I'd done something wrong. And I thought it was a little early in the day for me of, to have caused so much trouble. And, and so I said, well, what's going on? And she said, and this really happened, by the way. She said, uh, I'm upset at you because you were mean to me in my dream last night. <laughs> now, folks, I don't have any control over this, right? How can I be nice to her in her dream? I don't even know how it works. It was almost Gideon-like. Uh, Gideon said, look, I want you to give me a sign that you're actually talking to me. Uh, this can't be real. So he said, listen, stay right here. Don't move. I'm going to go get you a present. And so Gideon takes off running. And uh, I want you to think about how long he was gone. Because while he was gone, he butchered a goat. Okay? Have you ever butchered a goat? Anybody in here ever butchered a goat? Ever butchered a chicken? Rabbit? Cow? Deer? Deer. How many deer? Elk? Okay, moose? Bear? Okay, this is Idaho, right? In the south, we would say uh, armadillo. Uh, but here we say the normal stuff. And, and so he's got to go in. He runs in. He butchers a goat. He makes a cake out of an immense amount of flour. Okay, that according to the scripture, his cake included one bushel and three pints of flour. Right? Now, how many of you would like to make a cake that had a bushel and three pints of flour in it, right? Talk about some, uh, some overload on the flour. That'd be a rough deal, right? Uh, if, if you were uh, allergic to flour, what's that called when you're allergic to flour? That's it. If you're gluten-free, imagine this scenario. It'd be bad. He butchers a goat. He makes a cake out of this huge amount of flour. Uh, he gets a whole pot of broth ready, and then he brings it back to the oak tree. And sure enough, the guy's still there. And, and the guy, the angel, says, okay, take the meat and the cake and put them on this rock. And then I want you to pour all the broth on top. Okay? And Gideon thinks, man, that's not how I eat my food, but okay, I'm in. So he pours it all over there, and, and it's all covered up. And I want you to check out verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose up fire out of the rock to consume the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Right? So fire came out of the rock. And all of a sudden, Gideon figured out that this wasn't a guy, this was an angel. This was an angel of the Lord. The promise was real. And even though Gideon had been voted least likely to ever be an important general when he was in school, God had just called him to be a general. You know, many centuries later, the angel Gabriel didn't show up at the high priest's house or the governor's house uh, or the house of an important businessman. Gabriel showed up to the most unsuspecting person in Israel. 
not a man because men were in control, not even a married woman. No, it was a teenage girl named Mary, a virgin. And I want to read with you some in Luke chapter 1. And if you'd like to read along with me, I'll start there in verse number 28. Yeah, this is kind of the foundation for what is called the incarnation or the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse number 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And a boy, Mary was an unsuspecting vessel uh, that was used mightily by God because she was ready to be used. And uh, I love how this ends uh, as you get down to verse number 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The promise of peace was real. And uh, I want you to turn your thinking uh, back to Gideon and Judges 6, because the next thing we want to talk about on this Christmas Sunday is the presence of peace, the presence of peace. And, and so Judges chapter 6 again, and uh, here Gideon has just figured out, uh-oh, there's an, this is an angel. And uh, the stuff that I just put on the rock, a fire came out of the rock and consumed it all. Yeah, that's it, I'm a goner. I saw an angel, I'm going to die. And uh, if you look at this next verse, so huge. Uh, the Lord said unto him, verse 23, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Now here's what's interesting. Does it say that the angel came back and talked to him? No. Did, did a new angel come and talk to him? No, it says, the Lord said unto him. And it's actually in all caps. It's referring to Jehovah God, the great I am, who said, peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. And Gideon's response was that he built an altar right away. He called it Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, because the God of peace had just spoken to him. And it had taken a series of miracles for Gideon to truly believe that God's presence and power had actually arrived. And at this realization, Gideon experienced fear like never before in his life. Apparently, this is a common response when meeting an angel. That's why in the Bible, you know what the angel's opening line almost always is? Fear not. 
Fear not, right? Luke 1, angel appears to Ananias, soon to be the father of John the Baptist. First words, fear not, Zacharias. Uh, later in Luke 1, we see Gabriel appearing to Mary. And after his opening words, he throws in, fear not, Mary. Matthew 1, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. First words, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Luke 2, the angel's first word to the shepherds, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The presence of peace often shows up in your heart by giving it a good scare. Because it shakes you out of the normal, right? For you to realize you need Jesus in your life, someone's got to shake you. Something's got to move you. There's a pivotal circumstance that takes you out of your norm or out of your rut or out of your box and makes you think, wow, there's something bigger. There's something better. There's something different. There's something more. You begin to consider that God's power may be at work in your life. And God's power is often a fearful thing but you know what it always leads to? Worship. It always leads to worship. When we stand in awe of God and we realize that we have a personal God, I want you to go back to Gideon and Judges 6, and I want you to see how the presence of peace calls us to action. And we call this the path to peace. The path to peace. So, so Gideon builds the altar and he worships Jehovah Shalom, what happens next? Judges 6, 25. And it came to pass the same night, the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. So God says, Okay, Gideon, now that you've called uh, on me, and you've taken the time to worship me, I have a special job for you to do. I want you to go to the false temple in your own town where they worship idols, and I know that it's on your father's property, and I know your father's the one who built it, and I want you to go there and throw down the altar. You know what God's saying? Gideon, you can't worship me as one of your gods. You have to worship me as the only God. See, even though peace is one of the greatest hopes in all the world, the way to peace is a narrow, exclusive path. It's a narrow, exclusive path. There is only one way to peace with God. You remember this in the Christmas story? Uh, King Herod heard from the wise men that were passing through that there was a new king born in Bethlehem. And, and Herod didn't want any, any competition. And so he sent his thugs to murder every baby boy under the age of two in the whole city of Bethlehem. Herod, he, Herod wanted to be the only king. You know, it's the same way with us. Hey, you and Jesus can't both be king of your life at the same time. It's either you or it's Jesus, but it can't be both. Uh, the path to peace is exclusive. 
I want you to look what happened to poor Gideon when he tried to take the village toward exclusive God worship. So God, God calls Gideon. He says, okay, Gideon, uh, I want you to be the one. You're going to go in and throw down the false idol. And uh, look how Gideon responded. This is how brave he was. Verse 27. Then Gideon took 10 men. <laughs> okay, so he didn't want to do it by himself. He took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. Now look at the next phrase. It's so important. It says, so it was, because he feared his father's house, uh, his father's household and the men of the city, he could not do it by day. He did it by night. So here's our hero of our story, right? God says, go cast the idol down. He takes 10 guys with him, and they have to do it at night because they're so afraid. And here he is, and he goes and casts it down. Now, when the men of the city woke up the next morning, and they saw their altar cut down, uh, and they saw their grove of trees they had planted had been cut down and used as firewood, Man, they were upset. And they saw that the bullock had been sacrificed on the altar. And they said one to another, this is verse 29, they said, who had done this thing? And they started asking around. And there weren't many people around who may have done it. And they started asking, and finally somebody told who it was. It was Gideon, son of Joash. They said, bring him out, string him up, right? As this it. We're going to have a lynching. Uh, they were going to take Gideon's life because he killed their idol. He knocked their idol over. And uh, they were so upset. And in calling for exclusive God worship, Gideon was rejected by his own people. They called for him to be killed. You know, it almost sounds like a prophet who was without honor in his own country whose own city of Nazareth said, he can't be the Messiah, he's the carpenter's son. His kids or his brothers and sisters go to school with us. His own people called out, crucify him, crucify him. He was despised and rejected. Who by? By his own people. See, the path to peace is exclusive and if people refuse the only way, they will soon be calling out for that way to be killed. It happens every time. The path of peace and Christmas, it all sounds so gentle and easy. And it sounds so frosted and there's tinsel involved and there's cotton involved. And it's all really soft and wonderful. And the music is soft and gentle. But you know, the path to peace in reality and scripture is anything but gentle. There are plenty of people who are fine with Jesus as long as he stays in the manger. But when he dies on the cross and rises from the tomb and calls for them to repent from their way and turn to his gospel, they push away. The broad way that leads to destruction is the most popular way. It's the way that humans naturally go. And uh, the culture says, do whatever you want. Don't worry about any accountability. That's what all the popular people on earth say. Jesus says, narrow is the way that leads to life. 
and few there be that find it. Because the path of peace only goes through him. It only goes through him. Lastly, I want to talk this morning about the price of peace. The price of peace. Look again at Judges chapter 6. And let's go back to verse number 25. Something that we didn't focus on earlier. Came to pass that same night, the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old. He told them to build an altar and to take the bullock and sacrifice it on the altar. There was a price to peace. There was a specific instruction about what animal had to be sacrificed on the altar of Jehovah Shalom. It had to be, according to God, it had to be the second bullock. The one that was seven years old. And it had to be offered on the altar, fueled with the wood of the idol grove next to it. And on the altar of Jehovah Shalom, only the required sacrifice could bring peace. It couldn't be just any lamb. There was a price that had to be paid. You know, the New Testament clearly tells us that those who have received the Savior into their lives have been bought with a price. The only price acceptable to God to pay for the sins of the world. We are redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And, and while the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament had to be done every year to maintain a relationship with God, the sacrifice of Jesus is fully sufficient. He died once for all the sins of the world. Do you know that's why it's an insult to the blood of Christ for you to think you might lose your salvation? It, see, if the blood of Jesus wasn't good enough to keep you saved the first time, what are you going to rely on the next time? Right? There's no more sacrifice for sin at that point. You think about the price that was paying. It cost Jesus everything. It cost us nothing to receive the free gift of eternal life. You know, every year at Christmas, uh, after we open our gifts, uh, my wife and the kids always call her parents uh, to thank them for sending presents and they talk on the phone. Now they probably do it FaceTime or Marco Polo, right? Uh, and my mother-in-law is a Marco Polo expert, but she doesn't know that you can do it in less than 10 minutes, right? If you have Marco Polo, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but my, mother has, my mother-in-law has a saying uh, that she tells at least one of them every year. They'll thank her for the gift. They'll say, Mima, thank you so much for whatever. And uh, she always has this saying that she says to at least one person in the family. And if I asked our family, they'd know exactly what it is. She says, it weren't cheap, right? It weren't cheap, right? And I'm looking down at the candy bar she sent me, like, and it weren't expensive neither, <laughs> right? Fine, whatever. It weren't cheap. And uh, so it's kind of a family joke. It weren't cheap. Do you know the meaning of Christmas isn't some plastic Thing. It's not cheap. 
It's not quickly broken. It's not quickly abandoned. It weren't cheap. Remember when your two-year-old had this special Christmas and you got this nice toy for your two-year-old? You got, had the batteries all ready to go because you always got to have batteries with every single toy. And uh, the two-year-old tears open the box and they had been sitting over there crying because their donut wore off and they're in between cookies. And, uh, and they open the box and they tear it open and they get the thing out of there. And you say, don't you like the toy? And you look over and what they do? They crawled in the box. And they spent the next 45 minutes playing inside of a box with paper. Right? And the thought that crossed your mind, and probably your cheapskate husband even said, because I would say this, <laughs> is, uh, why would we buy her a toy? We could have just got her a box. <laughs> right? How many of you heard Grandpa say that before? Right? Grandma says, it weren't cheap. <laughs> that duck weren't cheap. Let's get him a box next year. And uh, you try to figure, you try to gauge, okay, well, at what age can we stop just getting the box and we actually have to put something in it. You know, salvation is not cheap. It is not quickly broken. One year when the boys were little, uh, we went down and we saw these guys in the mall. And it was like a day before Christmas. And they're hawking these helicopters that are flying. They fly way up in the air. And they're like, They'd shoot this thing, and it'd go up like the top of the mall, and it'd come back down and catch it in their hand. I thought, that is cool. And Cody said, I really like that. And uh, Dawson, good to have Dawson home today. Uh, Dawson, he wanted one too. And so we, we kind of went out of the mall, and then Amy said, you could act like you forgot something and go back and get it. Like, why, why do I have to do it? You want to shoot it. And uh, anyway, so I went back in and ran back in to the guy, and I bought two helicopters. I think they were $15 each, or it was a two-for-15 deal or whatever. And uh, so the boys opened it up on Christmas morning, and they had to open it at the same time because everything's got to be fair, right? Don't want one to think they didn't get one. So they opened it at the same time. Oh, it's the helicopter from the mall. They literally went out in the backyard to play with it right away. And on the second time in the air, crash, burn, boom, bam, <laughs> gone, out. And we looked at each other and said, those guys tricked us. The ones that they sold us weren't like the ones at the mall. And she said, you need to go back down there. <laughs> like, well, it's Christmas Day. Doubt if they're there. I literally went in on Christmas uh, the day after Christmas on the 26th to go take the thing and I marched down to the kiosk. The kiosk is gone. The guys are gone. I look around, where'd the helicopter guy go? What helicopter guy? Right? They were gone. Uh, the, it didn't last. Right? The, the present was quickly abandoned. Why? Because it was cheap. But this present cost Jesus everything. And he did it willingly. Uh, he came to this earth knowing what the price would be. Think about this for a second. It says in Luke 2 uh, about how Jesus was born. Jesus, didn't, he wasn't born to become a savior. 
Right? Look at this. I want you to see this in Luke chapter 2. If you miss everything else from the whole day, maybe you'll get this one. This is really good. Luke chapter 2. Look what it says in Luke 2 verse number 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. When Jesus was born, he wasn't born to become the Savior. He already was the Savior. He was God before he was ever born in the manger. And that's why his stoop to become the present of eternal life is so powerful. That's why we worship him on Christmas and every other day of the year. For he alone is worthy. We worship him because there is no other alternative. He is the only true God. We love him because he first loved us. I want to finish this morning in John chapter 6. And uh, it's not about Gideon, it's about the disciples. Jesus had done this incredible miracle. Thousands of people had followed him all the way around the lake because they wanted to see more people heal. And they got out in the wilderness. Uh, they're on the other side of the lake. And uh, there's no restaurants. There's no MREs. There's no food anywhere. And, and so Jesus says to the disciples, hey, guys, uh, I want you to feed them all. And the disciples looked at each other like, what are you talking about? We don't even have enough food to eat ourselves. How are we going to feed 5,000 people? And Jesus said, well, have them sit down on the ground. You know, well, what, what kind of food you got? They said, we don't have anything. There's a kid here who's got five tiny barley loaves and two small fishes. And Jesus lifts his hands and his head toward heaven and thanks the Father for the meal they're about to eat. Right? I don't know if you've ever looked at the meal on the table. And as you prayed to God and thanked him, you're praying that there's going to be a miracle that takes place. Like, God, could you please change this into this? <laughs> right? Sorry. Your moms are great cooks. I, I'm just messing with you. It's Christmas. And as Jesus thanks, he says, okay, start passing the food out. And they start baskets. They're coming around. 5,000 people eat like they just tromped through Golden Corral. <laughs> trough, right? <laughs> when you go in the Golden Corral, doesn't it just smell like a trough? Right, lock, walk in the door, like, oh, yeah, and people are, rrr, rrr, and they're just piling it up. They ate everything they could eat. Uh, there's the fish and chips special. Now they bring me some more, bring me some more. There were 12 baskets left over. And, and so the next day, these people are all following Jesus again. And Jesus says, you didn't come because you want to serve me. You came for more food. He's, and he started talking to him about what the cost of discipleship really is and what it means if you really embrace and worship Jesus in your life. And I want you to see what happened. Verse 66, John 6. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him. I love this. 
he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Once you know that Jesus is the only way to God, and he's the only true gift, there's nothing that substitutes for it. There's not. You get a new iPad, get a new television, get a new Harley, get a new Camaro, you get the keys to a Mustang GT, whatever you get, right? It's not going to satisfy you because Jesus is already in your life. And you know deep inside your soul that there's nothing else that will satisfy you. And it calls our heart back to the altar of Jehovah Shalom, where we worship the God of peace. We sang this morning the old Christmas song, O come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let's sing it together. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for willingly offering yourself as the price for our sins. We thank you for the gift of eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, there may be some person here today of whatever age who has never received that gift of life. Maybe someone who's never heard the truth of what you've done for us on the cross. Maybe someone who's been putting off making a decision to receive you. Maybe someone uh, has thought that there were many ways to God, and today they realize that there's only one way, and it's through you. And so, Jesus, if there are those who want to receive you today, help them to know that they can talk to you right now in their hearts. They could get this settled right now on this Christmas Sunday. They could say something right now in their heart like this. Jesus, I realize that you're the only way to God. Today, I'm turning from my way to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for offering me the gift of eternal life. I accept your gift. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to be in your family. Jesus, I thank you for everyone who's made the decision to become your follower. I pray that you'll protect them and bless them as they learn more about your plan for their lives. And we praise you and we thank you for who you are and what you've done. For you alone are worthy. And we ask these things in your name. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy. For he alone is worthy, Christ the Lord. Hope you can come to the candlelight service tonight.
at 5.30. Merry Christmas, everybody. I love you, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday.